0: We're normally kind of finishing a series this week and starting an Advent series next week, but but this time we're going to really look at who God is in relation to our gratitude. This is the story of Abraham. It's about really a third into the story of Abraham. God came and made a covenant, made promises to Abraham in Genesis 12, in Genesis 15, our text, and in Genesis 17. It's very, very important these passages, and right in the middle of all that promising is this beautiful word to Abram from God, Genesis 15:1. "After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision: Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward." Now, this is the time of year when people are encouraged to kind of take stock of our blessings. It's what we call Thanksgiving. And um, I want to ask you this question just starting out. Do you think that 21st century Americans see the abundance that we have above all people who have ever lived on the planet? That's where, who we are. Do you think 21st century Americans see the abundance that we have in terms of gratefulness? I don't think so. In fact, I know that we struggle with a heart of gratitude to God. We seem so often to be unmoved by the outrageous favor that we have received and, and how laden we are even with material blessings, might there be a gratitude deficit among God's people this morning? Thanksgiving, I love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a very helpful observance, particularly to Americans. Even uh, American Christians who struggle with contentment and who struggle with a, a general disposition of gratitude In the face of unprecedented abundance. There it is. Unprecedented abundance and favor should lead to unprecedented gratitude and thankfulness. But we wrestle with contentedness in the midst of our blessing. We wrestle with a heart that is not grateful in the face of this unprecedented abundance. Now this is why. And we need Thanksgiving. We need this thing called Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And this is why I'm not happy with what is going on with Thanksgiving in our culture. I'm not happy with the fact that the commercial version, the consumer version of Christmas has all but pushed Thanksgiving out of the way. If you go to the stores right now, there are not cornucopias everywhere. There are Christmas trees everywhere. There is Christmas music everywhere. And uh, it, it is suggestive that we need to start earlier than ever to think about all the stuff we're going to get for Christmas this year. But we need to thank God. I, I had a good idea, at least I thought it was a good idea. I did a Google search, and uh, the, you put in the little box what you want to search, and I put in the search, the, the words, Thanksgiving advertisements. Now, Keep in mind, this is for the entire world that, that I 'm about to reveal to you, not just Mississippi, not just the United States, Thanksgiving advertisement for the entire world and i 'm going to tell you something. I looked at, I got tired of looking at the, what, the listings or whatever those things, page after page after page. I could not find anything about Thanksgiving coming from anybody that didn't have to do with what's called Black Friday. Now, In case you don't know what Black Friday is, I'm not sure why it's black, but in case you don't know what Black Friday is, it's the the day after Thanksgiving, which because of Thanksgiving, we happen, many of us, to have that day off so we can go to the places of commerce, and it is the largest shopping day in the United States of America. I'm not against commerce. I'm not against this old Christmas. Back to my Google search. The only use of the word Thanksgiving, I finally got tired of looking. The only use of the word Thanksgiving I could find was in conjunction with the word after. After Thanksgiving sale. After Thanksgiving. Post Thanksgiving. Meaning. Thanksgiving was the word Thanksgiving was in there but it was only in relation to the fact that it gives us some time to go shopping and not have to go to work you see I found nothing like this business would like to wish your family you and yours a happy Thanksgiving may you and the people close to you take time to think about all the blessings of God in your life etc etc none of that for the entire web worldwide, everything. Now, is it just me or is Thanksgiving shrinking? I think that's indicative of where we are. As a culture, where we are really in our hearts. And I want to tell you something. I'm just going to be rebellious and I would like for you to join my rebellion this morning. In fact, we'll let it, let it start here, Lord. We're going to overthrow. No. Uh, we're going to go to the mall with cornucopia signs and pick it. <laughs> I am really for focusing on Thanksgiving before Christmas and making Christmas about Jesus. Who's with me? All right, all right, all right, all right. Let us pray. No, we're not done. We're not done. We're not letting you off that easy. Of course, Thanksgiving, the observance that is set apart is came down from uh, uh, to us from our puritan forebears wasn't that a beautiful prayer that we read from from a pastor in that very era they were the people who came and settled here and uh, they went through a horrible horrible perilous journey across the ocean several of them died then, when they got here they didn 't know how to take care of themselves, and that winter, about half of who was left died and Through some incredible providence that i won 't go into right now, an American Indian named Squanto, who had been a slave in in um, Spain and then Britain and learned to speak English, walked out of the woods and talked in english and and helped them understand what they needed to do to survive and so the the following they, they followed the advice they believed that God was in this and There was a harvest the next spring. And so you know what they did? Being safe through the winter, that second winter, they set aside three days to do nothing but to celebrate the good providence of God and the faithful care of a covenant-keeping God. And they just spent three days expressing gratitude in many, many different ways to God. It's beautiful. Our country was founded with that type of heritage and it was in 1789 that our first president, George Washington, uh, issued the first presidential Thanksgiving proclamation that basically said in as many words, this is our heritage and we would like as a nation to set aside one day where all Americans cease to do everything but to just express gratitude to God. It was in 1863 that Abraham Lincoln turned that day into the last Thursday of November. And that's why we, we celebrate Thanksgiving on the last Thursday of November. Now, there will be lots of food. Can you see this in your mind? There's going to be people that are meaningful to you. And if you don't have a place to go, see me at the door. I'll do my level best. We've got lots of people that would love to have you for Thanksgiving. we'll do our best to, to connect you with somebody that would just love to have you in their home, okay? But there are going to be people there that are meaningful to, to us. There's going to be football. And uh, there's going to be time away from work. There's going to be a lot of consumption of a lot of things but it's, it's strange. We're going to consume what we normally only eat for lunch, this bird called turkey. We normally just kind of eat it on sandwiches. We're going to eat it for lunch, and then we're going to eat it again for dinner, and then we're going to eat it again for lunch and dinner and lunch and dinner for three days afterwards. So this is going to be a real interesting culinary experience that we're about to head in to called Thanksgiving. And hopefully in the midst of all this, there will be some thought about the goodness of God. Hopefully there will be some attempt to express gratitude to this God of, of great bounty and this, of great care. Maybe to express even to people around us that we were thankful to God that those people in our lives, but just a, a great opportunity to express thanks. And I, I want to ask you, as we kind of move into this observance that I think Americans need. I'm glad that our country set it apart. It's kind of what we need to be doing all the time, you know. Are you a thankful person? Are you a thankful person? Are you more like a spoiled child that's just whining all the time that you don't get everything you want? Are you a person that's amazed that you have what God has given you and you're grateful Secondly, what are you thankful for? And lastly, what is it that we should be most thankful for? That's what our text gets at. It's what it is, what it is that, that we should be most thankful for, and, and it will help us. And I, I want to approach it just from two different angles. First is what it's not primarily about. And then secondly is what it, what it is and should be about. Well, first is, is what Thanksgiving, this, this whole notion of gratitude to God, is not primarily about, and it's not, folks, about the stuff. It's not about the stuff. And, and, and frankly, that is exactly what most people think it's about. I mean, what you hear on Thanksgiving, if you hear anything other than go team or something like that, what you hear is roughly like this. We have lots of stuff, and we need to be thankful for the amount of stuff we have. But there's more to life than stuff. And there's more to the meaning of life, and there's more to be grateful to God than goods and services. And, and, and I'll just tell you right now, if this is where it really is for you, and that is very, very empty in fact, we could actually probably, in this country, do well to get rid of some of our stuff. We'd be happier. We'd be more free if we actually got rid of some stuff. Well, is it Michael Card saying, it's hard to imagine the freedom we find from the things we leave behind. There's a movement in this country it keeps changing names. Maybe you can tell me after church what the current name It used to be called the Simplicity Movement. Basically what it is are people that are just fed up with their having so much stuff that it owns them. Having so much stuff that it makes their time commitments for them. It makes their financial commitments for them. It complicates their relationships. And so they're going to, quote, simplify their lives by actually getting rid of stuff. So, we know the primary thing in our life to be grateful for is not stuff, right? Let's look at our text again, Genesis 15 1. After this, it says, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I am your shield, your very great reward. And notice those words, after this. You know, anytime you see the word after this, it begs the question, doesn't it? After what? Well, after what happened in Genesis 14, this, what God says, makes particular sense. What happened in Genesis 14? Well, I tell you, it's a really, really interesting story about the power of God. In Genesis 14, there were five kings who conquered four other kings. They kind of put their armies together, they conquered the four other kings. And so they amassed, you know, four times, yet again, four times the amount of wealth and property that the the five kings had had. Abram had this come to his attention because one of the kingdoms that was conquered was Sodom, where Abram's nephew Lot lived. And so Lot was taken prisoner by the five kings, Abram prayed to the Lord. Abram got his men together. And in the power of Yahweh, Abram and his men soundly routed the five kings. I mean, this is huge. And, I, and I'd like for you to turn to Genesis 14, verses 21 through 23, and you'll understand why this is why God says, Abram, I'm your, don't be afraid. I'm your shield. I've already proved it. We just defeated the five kings. Genesis 14, 21, the king of Sodom, when it, once it was all over and the four kings were restored and the five kings that initially had taken over the four kings were, were defeated, the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me my people and you can keep the stuff. That's what he said. Literally it says, Give me the people and you keep the goods for yourself. I want the people, you keep all the stuff. But Abram said, verse 22, To the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and I have taken an oath to him that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the thong of a sandal that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. And here it is. Abram, you take all the stuff. I mean, what a windfall. This is five kingdoms worth of stuff. You talk about never having to worry about money and stuff again. It's right here. And he says, No. And his reason for saying no is that God himself will take care of Abram. Thank you very much. And that will be enough. And it will also prove a kind of favor so that the nations around will say, Wow, he has a relationship with this God that we don't know who it is. But look at what is happening as this man walks with his God. And he does not want anybody to say, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll tell you the reason that, that things are going so well. It's, it's because several years ago there was a military action. And basically we gave Abram all the stuff he's got. This isn't his God. It's us. It's, it's us. Well, he wanted to give the glory to God in his life. And the meaning of life for Abram was not stuff. You know, there are certain things over the years, just like your family, that Gina and I have saved our money to have. You know, like something for the house or something like that. I mean, what a concept. Save our money, right? And so the the time comes when you can have that Whatever it is. And that's great, right? That's great. You can enjoy that. God wants us to enjoy all things. But I'm going to tell you something. I can't think of anything that anybody in my family has ever purchased that ever revolutionized our lives. Nothing. It's all just old stuff now. You know, we buy things for the house, you end up selling it, and somebody else gets it. You, You know? It's gone. It's not that it's not good. It's just that the life certainly just can't be about that. Now, we should give thanks to God for the things that we have. We should say, Lord, there is bounty here. There is favor here. And we should even this week say, thank you, God, for your provision. It's not about stuff. It's not even about the people that God gives you. And people are more important than stuff, right? (laughs) Right? Yeah, okay, we're just making sure. Genesis chapter 12, remember 12, 15, and 17 are the three places that God gives this covenant and begins to reiterate and elaborate on the covenant promises made to Abram. In Genesis 12, God promises to show Abram a land, and then that land becomes very specific. But more importantly, God in Genesis 12 promises to give Abram people, people, people. Abram and Sarah were childless. And God promised to give them a child. And not only to give them a child, but a child where the lineage of that child and their children would endure and there would be political power and stability associated with it and you will be the father of nations. You look back right now, if you talk to a a Muslim... If you talk to a Jewish person or if you talk to a Christian person, isn't it interesting that it all goes back to this promise that God made to Abram? All these things were a part of this covenant. And now in Genesis chapter 15, the, 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 the chapter we're looking at, God elaborates more on the gift of people. If you'll turn to Genesis 15, verses 2 through 6. See, Abram is not sure how this is going to work. And he begins to ask the Lord some questions. Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? Now there's a name for you. All that God has given Abram is going to legally pass to a dude named Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, "'You have given me no children, "'so a servant in my household,' Eleazar, "'will be my heir.' "'Then the word of the Lord came to him, "'This man will not be your heir, "'but a son coming from your own body "'will be your heir.' And he took Abram outside and he said, "'Look up at the heavens, "'count the stars,' Even if indeed, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to Abram, So shall your offspring be. Look up at the stars. How many are there? Beyond what I can count. That's how many people I'm going to give you, Abram. Verse 6. Abram believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. People are you thankful for the people in your life? Isn't it interesting that when when we hear that somebody we know is and care about is in a car accident? The first thing we ask is, how badly did the car get damaged? Right? No. It doesn't matter if it's a Lamborghini. We don't care. What is it we ask? Is my friend hurt? Is my wife or my husband hurt? Are they hurt? My nephew, are they hurt? You know why? Because the people are more important than the cars. People trump things. And we should be thankful for the material blessings that God has given us. We should acknowledge that everything we have comes from God and belongs to God. And we should be thankful for the people That God has put in our lives that are more important than the things. But you know, even that, even your family is not what this is primarily about. Secondly is what it is about, this whole notion of thanksgiving. Here's what it's about. It's about the blessing of having God Himself. That's what it is. It's not the things, it's not the people. It's about having God, and having God, all these things come into clear view. All these things have purpose that glorifies God. All these things become meaningful, actually more meaningful in our lives. As great as the spoils of war that were available to Abram, he said no. As great as the promise of land that God made Abram, As great as the promise of people and generations of people. In our text, Genesis 15-1, God names himself as Abram's primary blessing or reward. Genesis 15-1 is all about relationship. It's all about the God who just gave the power to defeat the five kings. Coming to Abraham in a vision and saying, don't be afraid, Abram. Because I am your shield. I am with you. I love you. I am your reward. Not the stuff. Not the people. I am your reward. The New King James Version says, I am your shield. I love this. Your exceedingly great reward. ESV, I am your shield. Your reward shall be great. It's all about how God gives a relationship and how that is most important. Now look, what God gives to us is an extension of who He is. I got news for you about God. God is far more generous and gracious than you ever have imagined thus far in your mind. God is good. Like God is holy, holy, holy. He is good, good, good. He is generous, generous, generous. And last time I checked, it was to people that didn't deserve that generosity like me. And yet, it's just His nature to be abundant in love, to lavish upon His children and to be that generous God. It's it's amazing. I tell you, He is the God of present tense love as well as past tense blessings and future blessings. What that means is that right now, I mean in this moment, in this preaching moment right now with this text, if you have put your trust in Jesus, then God loves you right now in a way that He is not asleep at the wheel, in a way that He is not withholding any good thing, from those who love Him and walk with Him, God is good right now. And it's so marvelous to know that He loves us that much and that He cares that much. I Do not be afraid. Folks, don't be afraid. I'm your shield. I'm with you. I am your exceedingly great reward. Now, there are a lot of children whose fathers give them a lot of stuff send them to the best schools they send them to the finest camps they make sure they have the best toys and technology on the block but he himself is absent personally or emotionally let me ask you a question what does that child really want i know he wants an ipad Or an iPod or an iPhone or an i-everything. I understand that. I understand nothing wrong with any of that, right? No. What he really wants is a close relationship with his daddy. That all the money in the world can't buy what he really wants and what he really needs just to spend time and to give love and affirmation and shaping personally on the life of that child. Our Heavenly Father is not a distant provider. He loves you if you've put your trust in Him more than anyone ever has or ever will love you, more thoroughly, more intimately, with greater knowledge perfect knowledge of my heart and your heart and He still loves me and He still loves you. He knows what's best and He knows how to give good gifts to His children. He is good and He is loving. He is our exceedingly great reward. And you know remember Abraham saying to God, God I I don't understand because I don't have a son. Eleazar of Damascus is going to be my heir. No, I will give you a son. Let me tell you how much God loves you and me. That He was willing to give up his only son to take our sin upon himself on the cross, our reproach to be punished in our place, crucified, dead, and buried. Here's the way it works, is that Jesus, the only Son of the Father, takes our sin, you ready for this? and gives us a relationship. The true meaning of life. I remember asking my dad when I was a young boy, maybe I was four years old, I think I must have asked my dad this question more than once because I clearly remember his answer just like a lot of your children, if your parents have asked you, I said, Daddy, you know all these children talking on the schoolyard, are we rich? I'll never forget what my dad said. He said, yeah, we are, son. We are rich in love. And I just can't tell you how much I love you. God wants us To be rich in love. That's what he wants. John Calvin in commenting on this passage says, quote, The meaning of the passage is this. We shall only be truly happy when God is most important to us. For he not only pours out the abundance of his kindness, but he offers himself to us that we may enjoy him. Now, that, little, that last little phrase, that we may enjoy Him, for those of you who are, are conversant with Presbyterian theology at least, or, or West, what's called Westminster theology, that triggered something in your mind, maybe from your upbringing, what it triggered was this. It triggered the first question in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is this. What is the chief end of man? Why are we here? What's the whole purpose of man? Answer... The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him, thank you, and to enjoy Him forever. You know what that means? Here it is. To glorify God in relationship. To glorify God and enjoy Him Forever. What that means is, is God is going to have a relationship with us. We are not only going to enjoy the, the, the gifts of His hands, we're going to enjoy Him, enjoy His grace, enjoy His love, His care, His affirmation, His tenderness, all the days of our lives, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever. This Is what we are to be most thankful for, and dear brothers and sisters, everything else comes into clarity when this is our priority. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 6, 32, it says, Look, the pagans, they rush after all these things. It's not that there's anything wrong with the things, but when the things become what you rush after, what you've got to have, what's the meaning of your life, it's all backwards. The pagans rush after these, but you, Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Watch this. All these things, they'll be given unto you. Let us remember... Thanksgiving, this Thanksgiving. Let us be grateful for the stuff. Yes. Let us be thankful for the people. But let us not stop with the gifts. Let us trace through the gifts, the giver, and worship there. Perfectly loved and answering with gratitude. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield and I am your exceedingly great reward. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, would you make it so? Would you cause us to put things into perspective by seeking your face? Would you help us to see that through Jesus, the one who is holy, 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 is generous, generous, generous? Would you help us to acknowledge that all we have came from you, belongs to you now, and is simply a stewardship of ours while we walk on this earth? Thank you, God. For that goodness. Lord we know that the people that you've given us. You have given us. To love. And to relate to. And to care for. Lord we thank you. For the people. Our family. Our friends. Our brothers and sisters in Christ. And different people in our lives. But oh Lord. We thank you most for you to know the creator of all, the sustainer of all personally is more than we could have ever dreamt that we would ever have. And yet, we don't meditate simply upon what might be out there or who might be out there, but who it is that we have and what we have because you've given a relationship to us. If you've never put your trust in what Christ has done on the cross, and you'd like to, you'd like to receive that relationship, you pray with me, Lord, I can't make myself over enough to be acceptable to you. So I want to turn from everything else and simply put my trust in what you, Jesus, have done for me on the cross. Come into my life, Lord. Thank you that even now you've not only forgiven me, but you have made me yours. And you will provide that one day you will return and I will dwell in your house with great joy forever. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.